is back on the rise. Soldiers in the Delta kept it alive. Time to stand up, take our place in the sun. Understand the time and what must be done. Mississippi, 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 Mississippi. Sister Ida B and Fannie Lou, check them out and you'll know what to do. But if you really want your enemy to be alarmed, read the final call. Follow Farrakhan. Mississippi, Yes, yes. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be unto you and welcome to another edition of the Mississippi on the Move podcast. I am your brother, Abdul Shahid Muhammad. And I'm your brother, Kenneth Muhammad. 
And he is there, brothers and sisters. I got to let you all know my brother is doing it remotely. He's trying to connect some moving dots, and he is certainly on the move. So not only is Mississippi on the move, but my brother Kenneth Muhammad is certainly on the move. How you doing out there in the field, sir? Well, I'm doing fine by Allah's mercy and grace. Is Mississippi on the move? We all on the move. I'm on the highways and byways looking for the people, my brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We are glad to have you, brother. I'm glad you can make it in this evening. Once again, dear family, welcome to the Mississippi on the Move podcast. Please allow us to begin in the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful. We bear witness to the oneness of God. We bear witness to the oneness of his prophets and the messages that were revealed through them to the whole of humanity. And we greet you with the greeting words of peace in, uh, in the language of all of the prophets of Assalamu alaikum or peace be unto you. Brother Kenneth, man, we got an exciting show or program for our audience tonight. And uh, we are looking forward to a conversation for tonight. We're going to be talking about HBCUs and their relationship to the communities they inhabit. And of course, our aim is simply to start a local conversation, local meaning in Holly Springs, and hopefully it'll take root wherever this is being heard. A conversation that will hopefully lead to action on how our communities can better relate to HBCUs uh, and attract graduates to stay uh, and serve and build the communities where those students were educated. And for the conversation tonight, we have as a guest, Dr. Ivy Taylor of Rust College. Brother Kenneth, what you think about that, man? Oh, brother, that is a topic that we've been discussing privately, trying to uh, get on the program. And we finally uh, got our sister, Dr. Ivy, uh, whose schedule is very, very busy. She moves around a lot. And so we are grateful and thankful that she will be uh, with us tonight because the HBCUs uh, represent a new educational paradigm, the opportunity to establish a new educational paradigm if rightly cultivated and supported by the communities that they inhabit. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. As a matter of fact, brother, the final call covered a news story where HBCUs, they had a summit uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, they talked about the, the uh, six historically black colleges and universities that are in Atlanta and others from around the country. And uh, uh, Russ College out of Holly Springs had representation in the house. And they were talking about uh, delivering the promise of higher or black higher education. They put the adjective black in front of it, in front of it, uh, higher education. So that story was carried in the final call newspaper. And it is certainly a conversation uh, that we are eager to have here. Brother Kenneth, you want to get right? Uh, we want to get right on into this axiom that we will cover for tonight. The one from Victor Hugo is the one that you always quote. Brother, can you, do you have it in front of you or can you pull from that that powerful memory of yours so we can uh, get this one rolling? Well, brother, I had to pull it from the roller decks of my mind, but uh, during Martin Luther King's um, speech, in 1967, where he was discussing the crisis in the American city. He opened up by quoting uh, the 18th uh, century Victor Hugo, where he said that if a soul is in darkness, sins will be committed. The guilty one is not the one who commits the sin, but the guilty one 
is the one who created the darkness. Yes, sir. And that is a powerful axiom that we use to help uh, undergird uh, the conversations that we have, and we have others that we use, but that's the one that we're highlighting tonight from Victor Hugo. If the soul is left in darkness, sins will be committed. The guilty one is not he who commits the sin, but he who causes the darkness. And that brings to mind for me, Brother Kenneth, something uh, uh, my, my mind always goes to scripture most of the time. And the, the question is asked, what man having a light would hide it under a bushel basket? And those of us who know are responsible for those who don't. Uh, the seeing are responsible for the blind. So that's one thing that we're trying to do with this uh, radio program, or I should say podcast. I say a radio program. Can you believe that? <laughs> yes, sir. Only oh, habits die hard, brother. And just yeah. add to what you were saying, uh, brother Shahid, because the language of light and darkness, we know is, is symbolic. It represents something. And he was talking about someone creating the darkness. And that's a good question. Uh, scripturally, they said that the people walk in darkness, gross darkness, the people. So we uh, should ask the question, who is it that produced the darkness that the people are walking in? Yeah, that's the question that should be asked. And Dr. King actually answered those questions after he uh, quoted Victor Hugo when he talked about who caused the darkness and the ignorance and poverty and unemployment. So, and there are those who benefit and still to this day, brother, in 2022 from the condition that many of our communities continue to languish in. Uh, there are people who simply benefit off of crime and violence. There's people who ben benefit off of our incarceration. There are people who come into our communities and service needs that we should be servicing ourselves while they extract dollars from our community. They don't reinvest in our community. So uh, uh, the soul is in darkness economically where our people are concerned, politically and otherwise. And we have to begin to dispel that darkness with the kind of conversations and truth uh, that will help us uh, improve our life outcomes, which is one of the, the the purposes of having these kinds of conversations. Yes, sir. So um, we're going to, uh, just to reiterate, uh, it's about 11 after the hour. We are expecting uh, Dr. Ivy Taylor to call in very soon, about 15 minutes after. Uh, we're expecting uh, the president of Rust college to call in. We're going to have a conversation with her and got a few questions for her and she's graciously accepted our invitation. But I want to make it known, uh, just to reiterate um, the aim and purpose of the Mississippi of the Move on the Move podcast. We want to work with our brothers and sisters, of course, specifically in the Delta to unite and use this medium as a means by which the voices in the Delta can be heard and felt throughout the country. Of course, we're not interested in airing meaningless arguments and debates or engaging in ad hominem attacks on people where you attack the people's characters, motives and other attributes of a person rather than engaging in constructive and meaningful dialogue which black people in America must be get beyond the artificial barriers that keep us divided. And even when we have differences, brothers and sisters, we must always be just and equitable towards one another and respectful to one another. And black organizations in Mississippi and in general must now more than ever learn that no matter how much we disagree, we must never allow our open enemy or anyone to put us against each other. We must always or we must seek to find ways to work together beyond our 
philosophical, theological, political, and tactical differences. We may not always agree in these different areas, but we can all agree on fighting for justice in the Delta. We can agree to stop the killing among our people in poverty, abuse of our women and children, the disrespect and abuse of our elders, elders, and engage in the activity of doing for ourselves to create opportunities for our children to improve our life outcomes. We can end, fight to end the crime, police brutality, unjust incarcerations, racism, sexism, and of course, right supremacy. All of this should compel us to look beyond the artificial barriers that cause us to remain united. Yes, sir, Brother Kenneth, we just wanted to reiterate that for our listening audience and let them know this is serious business we're trying to do. And just one more quick note, announcement, announcement, announcement. That's, that's you know how I like to do, brother. To those listening, we are now available on Apple Podcasts. You can get us on Apple Podcasts. Dr. Ivy R. Taylor. You can get us on Spotify. And you can get us on iHeart. And Dr. Taylor is calling in already. And um, we have a guest that just called in. We're going to ask her to stand by for just a few minutes as we finish uh, some of the uh, housekeeping that we do. Uh, with the Mississippi on the Move uh, podcast. And we're going to go ahead, Brother Kenneth. Brother Kenneth, I see that you're still there. We're going to go ahead and get our commercial break in, and we will be right back with our conversation with Dr. Ivy Taylor. Worldwide, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Download the Final Call radio app and take us everywhere. On your phone, on your computer, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also log on to FinalCall.com and click the Listen Live button. Or FinalCallRadio.com. Final Call, Final Call Radio. The official voice of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. What's your source for truth in news reports? Justice! No peace! No justice! No peace! Where do you turn for non-corporate driven news that's fair and balanced? Subscribe to the Final Call News, your number one free and independent news source that delivers hard-hitting national and international news coverage of today's political, economic, and social issues. To subscribe to local home delivery, call us at area code 662-252-8999. That's 662-252-8999. Visit our website at www.finalcall.com. The Urban Indulgence Bath and Body Boutique. At Urban Indulgence, we pride ourselves on offering quality, effective skin care. Handcrafted with plant-based, skin-loving ingredients, our soaps and body butters will give you luxurious lather and ultimate moisture. Experience the Urban Indulgence at 3314 Poplar Avenue in Memphis, three blocks west of Poplar Plaza, or shop with us online at theurbanindulgence.com. Theurbanindulgence.com. Mississippi on the moon. 
And we are back at the Mississippi on the Move podcast. Once again, I am your brother, Abdul Shaheed Muhammad, and my brother Kenneth is in traffic. I see he got himself uh, predisposed right now. He is also hosting with us this evening. And we have on the line right now, right now live, coming to you, the president of Rust College located in Holly Springs, Mississippi, Dr. Ivy Taylor. And let's welcome her to the Mississippi on the Move podcast. Yes, yes. Dr. Taylor. Hi, how are you? I am wonderful. How are you doing this evening? We are doing great. First of all, let us thank you for accepting our invitation to come and be on our budding podcast, Mississippi on the Move, working with brothers and sisters throughout the Delta to unite and do something good for us all. How was your day today, Dr. Taylor? I had a good day. I had a good day. Very good. Very good. Well, let's get right to the business. Um, We wanted to... (laughs) invite you and we're just simply talking about HBCUs, which is historically black colleges and universities and and their relationship uh, to the communities they inhabit. Our aim was simply to start a a conversation on local level, really where we're concerned, that will hopefully lead to action on how our communities can better relate to HBCUs, particularly Russ College and Holly Springs, and hopefully attract some of those graduates to uh, yeah. maybe settle in Holly Springs and help further develop the community. So we have a few questions, if that's all right with you, Dr. Taylor. I just want to that's start. All right. First of all, just tell us, who is Dr. Taylor? And I mean, just could you <laughs> share with us, our listeners, your education, sure. previous work experience, et cetera, so we can connect? Well, I am, in addition to being a college president, I'm a wife a mom, a servant leader uh, who has been blessed with an interesting journey. I was born and raised in uh, New York, born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens. My parents were from the South, uh, from North Carolina. They went to New York in the 60s, seeking better opportunities as many Black Americans did. And uh, I attended public school. My parents didn't go to college, but uh, I was a good student. And I ended up attending an Ivy League school. I didn't know about HBCUs because no one in my family that I knew went to college. And obviously there aren't any HBCUs that far north uh, in New York. So I didn't learn about these schools later in life. So I ended up being educated at Yale. I have a master's degree from University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And then much later in life at age 48, I ended up getting a um, doctor of education from University of Pennsylvania. But those years uh, before I got that doctorate and started embarked on a career in higher ed, my uh, career path was in urban planning. I was focused on improving cities, uh, providing affordable housing and engaging in community development. Wow. Wow. That's a pretty big resume. As a matter of fact, I read, I did read your bio now and she's being modest. You all, this lady has some serious <laughs> credentials and, and, I, and I might say I've had the pleasure of meeting her and having a conversation with her. And, uh, I was in, I was thoroughly impressed. Her credentials, uh, I mean, are great. I think, I think Russ College made a wonderful choice in you. Well, let's move to, uh, the questions now. Um, is there anything in particular that uh, that attracted you to Russ College? What attracted you to the job down here in the Delta in Little Old Holly Springs? 
<laughs> well, I confess I had never been to, I had never really been to Mississippi. I went to a conference once in in Memphis and they took us on an outing to the casino in Tunica, but that was the only time I'd ever set foot in Mississippi. I had kind of, uh, I guess the Lord had laid on my heart that the leadership skills that I had developed through my career, which as an urban planner, first I worked on the ground in planning. I worked for a city, but then I ended up being an elected official. I was a mayor of a large city and I had the chance to actually serve on the board of an HBCU in Austin, Texas. And that was an eye-opening experience and just really kind of strengthened the love and interest that I have for HBCUs. And I became committed to the idea that I wanted to use the leadership skills that I'd gained to help preserve these institutions, which I understood to be at risk. So when I, when I finished that doctoral program, I started applying for jobs and the job at Russ was open because the previous president was retiring. So I put in an application. I was interested because uh, I thought the school was somewhat similar to the school where I had served on the board, which was Houston Tillotson. And also because, um, you know, as a college student, I had learned about Ida B. Wells. And when I found, I never knew where she went to college. And when I found out that she received her early, edu her education yes. at Rust, that was very intriguing for me. So, and I wanted, I wanted to get back to the real South. I spent years in San Antonio, mm. which, you know, really is the Southwest. But with my parents being from the Carolinas, I was interested in being back in the real South. Wow. Man, I mean, an elected official, a mayor, a mayor. I read that, but I'm glad you said that for our audience <laughs> so they can, you know, they can connect and further get a peek into uh, your travels and your experiences and, and, and your credentials. Uh, next, I want to ask uh, HBCUs, of course, have been well known uh, for the historic value they've provided to the black community. Mm -hmm. Now, today, I heard you earlier, you mentioned that you understood they were at risk. And, yes. and since you've uh, taken the helm there, so to speak, at uh, Russ College, what is your assessment of the current state of the HBCU? Well, I would still say that HBCUs are you know, really in a precarious space mm. and are threatened and really need the uh of obviously the entire black community, whether you attended one or not to rally around these precious institutions, but we need America in general mm -hmm. to support these schools, which are largely responsible for the creation of the black professional and middle class. You know, they educated, provided education for blacks when no one else would, mm -hmm. but the times have changed and now our black students, you know, they have options, an array of options. They can attend, you know, any different type of school. And actually, because of the current uh, demographics with decline in births in certain populations, mm -hmm. now there's a motivation for schools that previously did not focus on serving the black community to now want to attract um, black students. And uh, so the competition for students is real. M most black schools don't have significant 
uh, endowment. They haven't mm. been able to build up, you know, that wealth. Endowment is the money that's in the bank, and you use that interest to secure the the stability of the institution over years. Well, black colleges have not created uh, the kind of uh, graduates that have that kind of wealth in many in large numbers. I went to my 30th college reunion at Yale a few months ago and I was talking to a classmate who was talking about, he was just casually saying, oh, well, so-and-so is only worth about, you know, 40 million, but so-and-so is a billionaire. Oh. These are people that I went to school with. Wow. <laughs> and uh, places wow. like, Places like Rust and places like Houston Tillerson generally don't have access to alumni uh, with those kind of deep pockets. Uh, We do have dedicated alumni who give consistently, but we just have not had access to the same uh, level of endowments. Rust does better than most Hmm. black colleges. the endowment, I just finished reading a book called uh, The State Must Provide by Adam Harris, and it's mm-hmm. about the disparities in the higher education system mm-hmm. and how um, there hasn't been enough investment in schools that serve Black students. And that book said that most Black colleges have an average, and the average endowment is about $12 million. Wow. Well, Rust, Rust is about $50 million. But uh, when you think about schools like, you know, I went to Yale or places like Harvard, you know, their endowments are in the billions Good with a God B. Almighty. Wow. And so the, this, the disparities are great. And, you know, the cost of everything is going up and black colleges serve, tend to serve students that come from lower wealth and lower income backgrounds. And that means the students need uh, assistance, not just with tuition, but they need a lot of wraparound services to support them in being successful as students. So it is still kind of a challenging time, though I know many of your listeners have heard on the news about some big contributions in the wake of George Floyd and everyone right. becoming folk and the social justice. There have been some philanthropists who have opened up their purses and have given of their wealth to mm. black colleges, but the schools that tend to get those are the um, schools, the black colleges that people are more familiar with, the right. Howard, uh-huh. Hampton, Morehouse, Spelman, and, and some of the schools like Rust and Tougaloo and you know, other smaller schools don't always get that money. Actually, Russ hasn't gotten any of it yet. Wow. Wow. You made me think of as you were uh, responding, I thought about uh, the the wealth that we as black people in America wield. Some say it's to the tune of about one point three trillion dollars in economic spending power. And mm-hmm. I also reflected on those of our celebrities and those uh, in the entertainment industry, uh, you know, very wealthy people. And sometimes in my mind, I just think, wow, sometimes we might need to just reconsider where our dollars are being di- re- uh, directed. But I'm going to move to the, uh, the to the next question. Thank you for that response. That was sure. an eye opener. Um, some mm-hmm. of that was an eye opener for me, that book in particular. But the HBCU, of course, has been his- has historically produced great men and women, of course, who became strong voices for us. Ida B. Wells, you mentioned her earlier. Of course, she's a product 
of what is now called Russ College, and she became a strong voice and advocate for the challenges we faced or that they faced at that time. Now, some of today's challenges are much like those of yesteryear, but in a more modern way. What is your view or assessment of the current generation of college students and their connection to the current issues we face? Well, I definitely believe that those of us who are north of 35 Mm -hmm. (laughs) really need to wrap our arms around the younger generation to ensure that they are steeped in knowledge and history of the struggle for equality, the struggle to obtain education uh, for Black people in the United States. I do believe that we've become a little bit disconnected from that Yes. uh, for a couple of reasons. Well, number one, you know, most of our black kids attend public, you know, K through 12, and Mm. many of those systems are failing. And we can see, we can read and see every day that there are actually concerted efforts to prevent teaching accurate history. So how can our students know about the issues if they're not taught about the history and how that connects to where we are today? So if they're not getting that at home or at church, then they may not be learning it, you know, in their classroom. So they may arrive at college with kind of a a limited view or perception. I also think social media and the focus on fame and athletes has really distorted reality for some of our young people. Yes. Um, I, you know, I just really believe that we have a tremendous job in front of us to uh, connect them better to the ongoing struggle to engage them in the fight for forward progress. Yes, ma'am. I am so glad you 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 answered that question that way uh, as you were responding. My own personal experience, just working in a high school with the profession that I am in, which is in law enforcement, I was taken aback just, you know, uh, perusing through uh, one of the history books and looking at how many pages even speak about what happened to us and the history our history here in the Americas on a high school level. It was, it was, (laughs) it was really something. And, uh, and I also thought about the Honorable Louis Farrakhan when he said that education is the torchlight of civilization. And when the civilization's educational system is in decline, that civilization is in decline. So as, as you spoke there, though, that went to my mind. Uh, And also the, uh, the, when you talked about, the distortion of the, the distorted perception that students have and how uh, athletics and all of those things cause that. Um, uh, I was made aware that very few of our students pursue uh, those professions like uh, being a lawyer and being a doctor and the percentages, even an architect, the percentages are in the single digits. But I'm gonna take you to the next question. Mm-hmm. which is um, the HBCU, 
you know, most of them, of course, as you mentioned early, are not found north. They are found south and predominantly in black communities. And you see the people in those communities, they proudly wear their colleges paraphernalia as a show of support for their college. What is the current state or health of Rutz College's relationship with the city of, uh, the city of Holly Springs? And what aspects of it would you like to see improved? Well, Russ has a very strong history, you know, in the community, having been there for so long, over 150 years. So mm -hmm. I think those historical connections are unbreakable, though in recent years, I don't think we've nurtured them as much as um, we should have. And so during the two years that I've been there, one of my goals has been to strengthen those connections. Of course, it's been a little bit difficult with COVID. Yes. No one wants to come out. No one wants to come out and play during that first year that I was there. Yes. So it's understandable, understandable. We're trying to get back out in the community, welcome people back to the campus and, you know, really nurture those relationships and be an asset uh, in the community. Yes, ma'am. And as you heard, my colleague is back in, Brother Kenneth Muhammad. He helps to host this program. He's uh, uh, with us remotely, as I said earlier. He's connecting some moving dots and he's moving about. So, Brother Kenneth, man, chime in whenever you're ready. I know you have some of the questions right in front of you where you are because you took them with you. And I, she just finished uh, dealing with the, the question concerning the health of Russ College's relationship with uh, Holly Springs and what aspects of it that she would like to see improved. And, and, and I agree. Um, my time in Holly Springs, I'm relatively new to Holly Springs, too, as the, uh, the student representative of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan there. And, and I have seen uh, where there's some improvements need to take place in terms of wrapping our arms around uh, that college there in the city. But Brother Kenneth, you want to uh, shoot the next question? Uh, yes, sir. First, uh, thank you, Dr. Ivy, for being patient with me. Uh, while I was connecting some dots, it was an honor to uh, meet you a few weeks ago and sitting here uh, listening. I think the uh, listeners can get a greater appreciation. Hello? Sometimes uh, you have a jewel in your midst and you don't even know it and you are very modest and very accomplished. No, I don't hear him. Oh, you, she, you, she doesn't hear you, brother. Kendall, do you? I hear him loud and clear. So what is going oh. on? Okay. Well, brother, the interview is going great. Uh, continue on if she can't hear me uh, because I don't want to uh, interrupt the flow. Go ahead with the uh, question number six. Okay. Well, I'm sorry about that. I can hear him loud and clear, but hey, that's neither okay. here nor there. Let's, uh, let's move on to the next question I have for you. What do you think can be done uh, as you talked about the nurturing that needs to improve? What do you think can be done between uh, Russ College, HBCUs in general, and the communities they occupy to one better nurture those uh, relationships. I added that, and to attract some of the graduates to settle in those communities and uh, possibly help further develop them. Well, I think the answer to that is going to really be dependent on what community an HBCU is in. You know, if you're in an urban setting what your approach might be quite different but for us in for Russ College in Holly Springs mm -hmm. I do think there are some opportunities for us to attract 
young people to reside in Holly Springs or to stay, but we'd have to really create some innovative partnerships. I think the availability of jobs Mm -hmm. and having support for entrepreneurship and some innovation hubs could be something that would, you know, make Holly Springs an attractive locale. We have a few younger Rust College graduates that are living in Holly Springs that are working at Rust College, but we've got to have other um, employment options Mm -hmm. for those in the community. Or, you know, with the pandemic, you know, one of the things that has become a lot more um, prevalent is remote work. So Mm -hmm. working remotely. So people possibly could work remotely. They could work for companies that aren't necessarily located in Holly Springs, but then that means there's got to be an attractive reason for folks to want to live there. You know, so you got to have some of the amenities that young people like. Yes, ma'am. Mississippi has been a difficult state as it relates to uh, the the task of trying to attract as I see it. And as I have exposed my mind to studying Mississippi and learning more about the state and uh, the, the community that I'm in right now. Okay. I appreciate that, uh, that response as well. Now, what uh, can the Holly Springs community do? It was talking specifically about Holly Springs. And I think you hit some of this in your previous response to help service some of the immediate needs or just the general needs of, of our students? And how can we make Holly Springs, in words, more student-friendly for the students at Rust College? Well, I think soliciting input from students about the services they need in the community. Okay. I remember talking with the folks at the uh, Main Street Chamber of Commerce about some conversations they'd had with students previously about students wanting access to Uh, shops or boutiques downtown that would sell clothes that they'd be interested in wearing. You know, um, we don't, Holly Springs does not have a coffee shop. How can you have a college town with no coffee shop? You know, there's a probably a few key services that they'd be interested in, in connecting with. I think the other thing is that those who, there are many businesses in Holly Springs that do hire students. Mm -hmm. I see them working at different restaurants and retail establishments, but those who own, you know, smaller professional firms, we also need them to hire our students as interns and give them work experience. And that's also a way for them to become engaged with the community. Mm coffee shop. Boy, a thought went through my mind on that one. (laughs) As a matter of fact, when I first met you, um, I had an idea we talked about and you shared with me some of uh, uh, um, your thoughts about what was available to them in terms of uh, food. And and, uh, I had the idea, but that opportunity uh, escaped me. So if you remember what we talked about, uh, that idea is still on the table where we're concerned. And we're hoping that we can can be of some help uh, in that regard. Wow. Coffee shop, coffee shop. You're so right, (laughs) coffee shop. Question, the next one. Tell us about some of the, the new initiatives. We covered a story. Uh, where Russ College was present at a summit that took place in Atlanta. And uh, mm-hmm. I think you guys had some representation there. And it was to, uh, the, um, 
They were exploring the, the promise of higher black education. So what are some of the initiatives, new initiatives that Russ College is engaged in? Um, we are doing so much at Russ, I almost don't know where to start. But oh. since it's summertime, I'll talk about our some of our summer camps that we had. Mm. We had some short week-long summer camps to provide opportunities for uh, younger students, middle school, high school, to be on a college campus. We've offered a basketball camp. We offered a broadcast camp. We had a youth theology uh, institute. Actually, the Youth Theology Institute was was almost two weeks, and students had the opportunity to actually stay on campus. Mm. So, giving young people a flavor of college life. I'm excited that we will be bringing back the Upward Bound program to Russ mm-hmm. College. We were successful in winning a grant from the federal government that will allow us to serve students from Holly Springs High School as well as Senatobia High. So mm-hmm. Upward Bound is a program, a federally funded program that gives the uh, young gives high school students um, preparation to be successful in college through a variety of programs. And then for the students that are on already at Rust on campus, you know we have new majors. We just the board just approved a uh, religion major, which we think as mm-hmm. is important for us as a faith-based institution to offer the opportunity to study religion. Uh, we have reinstituted the music major. Oh. We've created an accounting major, um, global supply chain management, forensic science. So we have several new majors. Um, we're doing a lot of improvements to our facilities. I'm looking forward to getting our pool back up and running and then, you know, possibly working with the community to uh, open it at some times um, for the community. We're also in the design phase to revamp our track. I know that's something else that we may will be able to partner with the community for use of the track. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a lot of exciting things going on. And then finally, I'll just mention that we are in a, um, we're focused on preserving the Mississippi Industrial College site, which for those who don't know Holly Springs, there used to be two HBCUs in Holly Springs Mm -hmm. and Mississippi Industrial College uh, was, um, is across the street and closed in the 1980s. And Russ College purchased the campus in 2008. And we have been working to, uh, generate funding to be able to preserve those buildings which are on the National Register of Historic Places. So on July 29th at 10 a.m., we're actually hosting an event on site at 10 a.m. Hmm. featuring uh, Senator Roger Wicker, a U.S. Senator. Okay. He has allocated a million dollars towards stabilization of one of those buildings from congressional funds. Wow. And he has a request pending for $3 million for um, a, for an a, additional allocation for a different building. So we've got a lot of exciting things happening. Yes, ma'am. That is so good to hear for Rust College in Holly Springs. My niece graduated from Rust uh, with a degree Wonderful. in education, and she is an educator uh, right now. Her name is Erica Taylor, and we have another one that's there at Rust uh, as we speak. Man, that is that is that is so so good to hear uh, that some monetary uh, funds are being allocated 
uh, for that club, yes. for that school. All right. Well, we're close to the end. And matter of fact, we are at the end of what I would like to ask you. And, and this one is pretty open ended. If there's one thing you would like to uh, leave with our lens, listeners or several things that you would mm-hmm. like to leave with our listeners before you go, because I know your time is limited running a college. What is it that you would like to leave with our listeners? And they're on. I just want, you know, listeners to know that HBCUs are still relevant and needed and provide a viable, excellent educational option for young people today. And if anyone is listening and you know a young person who's college age, uh, please send them our way. Or even for those, another thing we are working on is trying to figure out how we can connect with those who are no longer college age. Mm. Because we, uh, when we had to go remote for, uh, due to COVID, we discovered that some students who had previously dropped out mm. reconnected with us because they could offer, because we were able to offer courses online. So we're looking at how we can more effectively engage that population because we want everyone to be educated, whether they have surpassed the traditional uh, college age um, or not. You know, we just want to be a resource for the community. And we're looking to be in partnership with those uh, in Holly Springs and nearby as well. Wow. Very good. Very good. Well, hey, uh, we certainly appreciate and our audience. I mean, we are happy. Let's give her a round of applause and show our thanks and gratitude. Dr. Taylor, we certainly thank you for coming on our program this evening. And you can certainly give us a call and we'll be willing to put our shoulder uh, to the plow, so to speak, to do what we can to aid and assist Uh, because we are stakeholders in that community. So at this time, I know you got to go. Once again, thank you, brothers and sisters. Dr. Ivy Taylor, Russ College. Thank you and bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now. That was Dr. Ivy Taylor of Russ College. President of You Heard It, brothers and sisters, let's give her another round of applause for coming to be on the Mississippi on the move podcast. I just hate that brother Kenneth, she couldn't hear you, brother. Are you still I see you still there. I just hate that she couldn't hear you because we really wanted to get you in uh on this discussion and on the questions that were being asked. I understand my brother, he's remote man. He's doing a lot. And uh while I'm thinking about it, I want to send a shout out. Uh and I forgot to thank Dr. Taylor for Uh, participating in our sister's program where she was recognized as a woman of excellence uh, in Holly Springs, Mississippi. We certainly appreciate her being part of the first annual program that the Holly Springs MGT GCC put on uh, there in Holly Springs. That was in May, May 6th, I think it was. Excellent program. Well done by the sisters of the Holly Springs Mississippi Study Group. Brother Kenneth, are you still there, sir? Yes, sir. Brother, uh, can I be heard? Yes, sir. I can hear you loud and clear. Somebody tell me, uh, type a one in there if you can hear Brother Kenneth, because I found it strange that uh, Dr. Taylor couldn't hear you. Somebody type Um, We know how this uh, technology is, brother. It's hit and miss, especially when you're mobile and you're depending on uh, these airways. I may be somewhere where uh, the connection is bad. However, the interview was awesome. Uh, she's a magnificent um, sister. And um, 
hopefully we can rally behind Dr. Taylor and some of those initiatives that she's trying to get off the ground, the city will benefit uh, so much from that. And your ears perked up as much as mine when she said about that coffee shop. You know, yes, uh, I was saying, hey, I'll go grab a table and a, and a job Folgers. We'll start like that and then we'll, <laughs> we'll move on. But she's oh, correct. Really? Um, one of the things um, when you look at Holly Springs and some of the things, the challenges there, it is mm-hmm. industry or the lack of to yes. attract uh, people there and then to keep people there. And so people are going to school, educating themselves with the intent to leave Holly Springs. Yes. And uh, hopefully with this congressional money, I didn't know about this school, uh, the industrial college across the street. I wonder what those buildings were. And oh, so brother, I should know what they were. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so my thing is uh, these are uh, quality ideas that uh, if uh, supported with the proper resources, meaning dollars, that can uplift the community if that is the intent of those uh, in power. But if that's mm-hmm. not the intent, then they're, they're going to be roadblocks and stumbling blocks. So it's going to take a community to wrap their arms around uh, that college and then the college have to reciprocate and feed mm-hmm. the community what it needs to continue yes. to grow and thrive. And, and Holly Spring is fertile. The Delta is fertile. And we just yeah. need to make the connection so Mississippi can really be on the move. Yes, sir. And I got some ones typed in here, Brother Kenneth. So everybody is saying that they can hear you, uh, particularly my wife. She typed the one, Brother Quentin. We got Brother Keith on and others. Uh, they typed, yeah, yeah, they can hear you. So, Brother Man, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that interview with Dr. Taylor and uh, some interesting responses. And she shed some light on some things uh, in terms of how we can potentially be of some assistance uh, to Rust College. And we will certainly, as I said to her as she got ready to part, uh, that uh, we definitely will be putting ourselves in a situation where uh, we hopefully can be of some service to the students of Rust College. And because we are now stakeholders uh, in that community. Next up, we got uh, we're expecting a call from our sister from Cold Water, Mississippi. You want to tell us about that, Brother Kenneth? Oh, uh, yes. Uh, sister Crystal Denise uh, Wilson, actually. <laughs> uh, but she is the uh, educator and she runs a um, academy called the Ashe Academy, and she does yeoman work down there in cold water with our young people, providing them with a uh, culturally based and sensitive education to empower uh, black children and give them a, a solid foundation with a knowledge of themselves. Uh, she does it on a shoestring. I don't know if there's anything smaller than a shoestring, but she does it on a shoestring budget. <laughs> and she does, I mean, she does a wonderful job. And uh, sometimes we don't know about all of the people that's working around us. And so anytime we have an opportunity to highlight uh, someone who is doing that kind of work, especially someone like Sister Crystal, we want to uh, bring her um, program 
uh, to the forefront of our listeners' minds. And again, this Ashe Academy uh, is sponsoring a summer camp, which I thought is awesome. And Mm -hmm. hopefully she can share some light and maybe someone out there will want to uh, get their young ones to participate or hopefully uh, support uh, what she's doing because, again, she does it on a shoestring budget and she does uh, wonders with it. So imagine if she just uh, had uh, tenfold the resources, she could probably service uh, 100 times the amount of children that she services. So I'm looking forward to having Sister uh, Crystal call in. She's uh, She'll be calling in within the next five to uh, seven minutes and we'll be able to take it from there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to um, hearing about what she's got going on. As a matter of fact, I uh, happened to see some uh, some posts that she had put on of, of the children down there in Coldwater, Mississippi. And I think it's a, a, a excellent thing that she's doing to help our children. We always talk about our children, what they're doing, what they're not doing. We have to begin to work, uh, brothers and sisters, to create opportunities and avenues by which our children can be engaged in the kind of activities that will nurture them in the way that we want to see them nurtured uh, and, and not continue to sit on the sideline and watch and point fingers as we see our children go astray. Brother Kenneth, while I'm thinking about it, man, we want to uh, really just take a moment. Uh, it's more like a moment of silence, really, just to acknowledge we lost a dear, dear sister uh, in recent days, our dear sister Edna Muhammad. Uh, long time. Crystal Giles uh, Wilson. Uh, we got our sister calling in, and we're going to have her stand by. We'll have Sister Crystal Denise on in just a moment. Um, but we, uh, we lost a, a dear sister uh, in Sister Edna Muhammad. And um, I, I had it and wrote it down, brother, when her services. But the information is getting around pretty quickly. It's going to be this Saturday in Hernando, uh, Mississippi. Uh, please forgive me. I I failed to bring that uh, document with me where I could give specific uh, information on uh, date, time, location, and what have you. Well, I have the uh, document in front of me if you want to uh, make that announcement, uh, brother. One of those sisters that helped prepare the meals uh, when I would go to Northwest Correctional and service the brothers uh, for the id feast, it was Sister Edna and her and Sister Dorothy and Sister Sakina. May Allah also be pleased with her, who were always the team, brother, that helped uh, in that regard. So uh, shout out to our brother, dear brother, W.J. Muhammad, who's holding up well. We are here for you, brother. Just know. And also, um, our condolences go out to the family of uh, our sister and the clergy who lost her life and in a carjacking that took place here in Memphis. I know that's not Mississippi, but that's close to us, brothers and sisters. And we have to uh, do something uh, to, uh, to begin to stem the tide of this kind of senseless killing and violence. And of course, uh, that wasn't the uh, case with our dear sister Edna. Uh, but with this this particular sister and the clergyman, that one stung as well. So, but what Sister Crystal Denise is doing with our babies at the outset sounds so good to me, and we want to bring her up and in on the Mississippi on the Move podcast. Sister Crystal, are you there? Yeah. I am here. Greetings. How are y'all doing tonight? Greetings, peace and blessings. 
Wow, peace and blessings and peace and power, as I love to hear yes. our brothers and sisters say. How's my brother Patrick, brother Lumumba doing there? He is well. He is well. We had a day today, so we are we kind of leave and go home and regroup and, and prepare for the next day. So, yes, ma'am. Yeah, resting up. Yes, we 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 are on uh, uh, got coming up. We want to get an update from our brother on the situation with the, the locating the arrest warrant uh, mm-hmm. as related to the uh, the Emmett Till lynching, murder of a 14-year-old right. baby. But sister, you are working with some babies and I thank you for taking time out to give us a call and give us an update. I was online, sister, and I saw some of the pictures, some of the videos mm-hmm. you had posted of the children active down in cold water. What's going on with the summer camp? We have fill us in and tell our audience what's happening. I will. Uh, the summer camp came about from a sister down in Charleston. Well, she's from Charleston. Her name is Sister Leslie Taylor Grover, and she saw the scholars last year at a Juneteenth event in Charleston, and she he texted me and she said, I want to do something. I want to do something with the scholars this summer. So we created a summer camp around her and doing art and different visual arts and just creative arts with the scholars. And so I was like, let's just make it a full day. You know, we have Saturday school from 10 to 2. Let's do something from 10 to 2, the week of July 18th. And so it evolved into... Uh, inviting us to, to come in and teach the scholars some sewing basics, uh, teaching them about nutrition. We have Sister Mila Renee, who is the Ministress of Health and Wellness, come in every morning. We start every day, each day, with physical activity and some meditation. Yes, so ma'am. they really, they really get a kick out of that. So we've been going all week. Uh, we've had eight to ten scholars come through, and mm-hmm. they are super excited about coming in, uh, getting their exercise on, getting a good vegan meal, um, doing some art, learning how to sew, so and, and just learning how to treat each other and um, be creative, use yes, their ma'am. creative gifts to create different artwork. So it's yes, been exciting, it's been fun, and we've met some new people. We have yes, some ma'am. new people coming through, so we're excited. Yes, ma'am. And you know, Sister Crystal, my, my mind is, is is racing in terms of what I want to ask you, because mm-hmm. one, one of the big problems that we face in, in our community, in the black community, as we see it, uh, uh, our children that are uh, finding themselves involved in outright criminal behavior are getting younger mm-hmm. and younger. I mean, mm-hmm. they're getting down to 14 and 13 and even 11, sister, I see 11-year-olds engaged in behaviors. And I don't, not just our boys, but our girls as well. Sister, yeah. I, I want to ask, I'm, I'm still learning a lot about Mississippi, although I've lived in close proximity to uh, Mississippi all my life, just up the street in Memphis. But in terms of the availability of uh, Ashe Academies or summer camps, if you will, for our youth, down in the Delta. How, uh, how available is that to our young people down there that you, that you know of? That I know of, um, it's not uh, much access. Uh, you know, we are in the rural, we're in rural communities, so you know you have to have some type of transportation because that, that has been a struggle because I've, I've reached out to a few uh, parents and they just don't have the transportation. 
So, you know, I try to do what I can, but uh, other than that, I don't even know of any other summer camps that are going on. Of course, there are, you know, the high dollar camps, which is an impediment as well Mm -hmm. to our people. So, you know, we tried to offer an affordable camp. And I have to say, I have to give a shout out to the black man. Because when I was speaking about the summer camp and in, 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 um, informing people of the cost, it's $25 for the week. And that pays for everything, food, supplies, or everything. Uh, I have, like, brothers step up and sponsor. Like, I want to sponsor a child. I had brothers. I want to sponsor two. I want to sponsor four. So wow. we had 11 spots available just from brothers stepping up. We had some sisters come in, too, but the majority of the sponsorships came from black men, and I just had to give a huge shout-out right. uh, to our brothers because they stepped up, they came through for us. So, you know, we try to make it affordable and accessible. We had restoration as a safe space for us, uh-huh. by us, right. um, and there, there are not many of those at all. Wow. So. Yeah. So, so this that's one of the reasons and I expected that answer. I didn't know for sure, mm-hmm. but I, I mm-hmm. expected pretty much that answer in terms of availability of these kinds of summer camps for our children, particularly in North Mississippi and deep, even deeper in the Delta, I would say. Yeah. I would venture, I would dare to say it's you, they're dealing with the same issues that you just talked about uh, in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, having those kinds of activities and camps available for our children. That's one of the reasons, Sister Crystal, we established this podcast because Mm -hmm. we want to move through the Delta and connect with our brothers and sisters and do something uh, for ourselves to improve the life outcomes of our children, the quality of life uh, for our children down in the Delta and for us as adults. But it's going Mm -hmm. to take some discipline. It's going to take us uh, as I stated, in Beyond the Barriers is, is something mm-hmm. that uh, we start with uh, uh, with our program. And uh, I mentioned it the very first episode. And tonight I went back through it again when I talked about our aim and purpose of the Mississippi on the Move podcast is to work with our brothers and sisters, specifically in the Delta, to unite and use this medium, this podcast, mm-hmm. as a means mm-hmm. by which voices in the Delta can be heard and felt throughout the country particularly throughout mm-hmm. the Delta. And of course, we're not interested in meaningless arguments and debates and engaging in ad hominem attacks on folks. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's not what this is about. Mm-hmm. We want to engage in constructive and meaningful conversations and uh, get beyond those barriers, dear sister. And, and even when we have differences, we must also be always be just and equitable to each other and be respectful of right. one another and understand that black organizations in Mississippi, you know, must now more than ever learn that no matter how much we disagree, we can't allow our open enemy or anybody for that matter to put us against each other. So I'm right. so I'm glad when I met you and Patrick's sister, I stumbled on you all, you know, I, <laughs> when I, mm-hmm. the, the first uh, BLM summit, I was down there. I was like, man, look what's going, what's going on down here in cold water, mm-hmm. you know, and right. people mm-hmm. from a far, as far away as New York were present. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. from that, we engaged in our, uh, the first, uh, separation town hall meeting we had when we brought up uh, the national spokesperson of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, our sister Ava Muhammad, Dr. Ava Muhammad. She came down and you were on the panel and Brother Patrick and myself. And and uh, that conversation, I think, sister, really 
served as a spark to what was already going on uh, that mm-hmm. you all have started. So let me let me uh, let me ask you what organizations uh, in terms of numbers uh, are available to aid in what you're doing and to duplicate it uh, throughout the small townships and hopefully connect the dots. How do you see that happening and what organizations do you think are available? I know we are and, mm-hmm. and, and I can think of some off the top of my head that we work with like Yaga and others. Yeah, you you took it right off the top uh, because I have been speaking to Sister Elizabeth Johnson over in Oklahoma with Yaga and on the Black Panther Party about establishing, you know, similar uh, ashe over in Oklahoma. Um, and then, you know, I'm from a small town in Arkansas, which is about 30 minutes west of Greenville, Mississippi, oh, okay. and which is right in the Delta. And, um, and so, you know, I have worked with some organizations over that way to uh, establish some type of uh, African Black Center education mm-hmm. that way as well. So, you know, right now it's basically Yaga and right. um, the Black Panther Party. So just trying to reach out and continue to network to join forces with other organizations so that we can set up these satellite uh, destinations uh-huh. throughout the state. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, sister, I can I can say that I will be supporting your summer camp, and we can sponsor a couple of children as well, mm-hmm. because we need it. We uh, we don't have mm-hmm. the luxury, in truth, and and I've said mm-hmm. this, and Brother Patrick and I have talked about this, and I've talked about it with Brother Dove Sack of the he's the uh, president of the NAACP mm-hmm. in Marshall County, and Brother Antoine Lester and Rolanda Lester. They run Care Now here uh, in Holly right. Springs, and. We just don't have the luxury, brothers and sisters, of being divided historically the way we have been, or for, mm-hmm. even if we don't call it divided, the uh, lack of or the inability or whatever you want to, uh, to to put it, of not being operationally unified. And that's something Brother right. Kwame Touré used to always say, operational right. unity and organize, organize, organize. And, and right. I'll never forget that strong brother. And uh, we were always joined at the hip with them. So, Sister Krista, tell us, tell us, how many children you got there so far? And uh, what would you like to tell the audience uh, in terms of helping? So we have um, eight consistent children right now. And I know some people may think that's small, but it's really big um, because it's hard when we're competing against so many other uh, things that are happening in our society right now. Uh-huh. But uh, what we want to do is we want to expand. We want to grow. We need more children because we know what we're offering is is great. Uh, our children leave and they are excited and ready to come back the next day. My granddaughter is part of it and she yes. was with her grandfather for the last uh, few weeks. So I went to get her. And when we were coming home, on our way home yesterday, she was like, Gigi, I'm so glad that you came to get me because I would have missed out on this and I don't want to miss out on it. Right. And then uh, one of the one of the other scholars that's from Coldwater, his, his aunt, she sent me a text and she said, hey, sis, what's the sister's YouTube that was on and with y'all uh, yesterday because BJ wants to know what her YouTube is. So mm-hmm. when they are leaving, they are excited. They're going home and telling their parents 
his family everything that they've learned um, and, and they're ready to get back the next day. So if you're out there listening and you want to support Ashe Academy, if you have children between the ages, hey, we had we have had an 11 month with us all week. She has been trying mm-hmm. to get down there and work out with those children. You know, we have uh, Brother Patrick's uh, two-year-old, and right. we have him on up to about uh, 14. Okay. So we have a, a range of ages. And, and, the, and the great thing is, is that they're, we're all family. And yes. so they can come in there, and they have uh, a safe space. They have the freedom to uh, just be who they are. Mm-hmm. And they have a big brother, little sister, uh, big sister, little brother uh, atmosphere. So they take care of one another and we take care of them. We have mamas and we have babas there as well. So if you have children and you're interested, let me know if you want to support us. If you have a skill set that you can share with our scholars, like I said, we've had someone come in and show them basic sewing skills, how to Mm -hmm. use a sewing machine. We have had people come in and talk about nutrition, how to prepare nutritious meals, uh, we've had people come in and talk about canning. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so if you have a particular skill set, if you, I know Brother James Muhammad likes to fish. Yes. <laughs> we, you know, if he came in and showed our young uh-huh. brothers and sisters how to fish, that would be great. So you know, if you I have a particular skill set, yes, <laughs> I yes. So, I fish too. Just hadn't had time yes. to do it. And so we're always, you know, we're looking for academics as well, but we want life skills too. Yes, so uh, if you have that skill set, if you want to donate financially, uh, mm-hmm. we do have a cash app. is dollar sign B-L-M-M-S. Um, so, you know, you can just contact me if you want to uh, support us in any capacity, in any area. Just let me know because we're always in need of, 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 of support. Yes, always ma'am. in need. Yes, Sister Crystal, that is certainly a labor of love, Sister, and I certainly can relate to, uh, as Brother Kenneth put it, as he introduced you, trying to do mm-hmm. as much as you can with next to nothing in terms of resources. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Y'all heard how she right. said that. Uh, huh. <laughs> yes. Who would have known, brothers and sisters, as you all not tuned in to the Mississippi on the Move podcast, that this kind of summer camp is going on. Summer camp is almost a relic of the past. I mean, yeah. it's, it's. I remember when I was growing up, you, you heard the, that term regularly. I mean, it was expected. You was going to go to somebody's camp. You know, right. in the neighborhood, we had parks. You know, they had the lunch truck would come to parks, and those things were available to us as children. But they not, those things are not readily available today. And that's, you know, the, the residual effect or the ripple effect of that is our children start getting involved in things that more than likely we would not agree with them getting involved in. So if... We really want to see better from our children than we have to do better by them. So, Sister Sister Crystal, I applaud the fact, Sister, that you would shoulder that level of responsibility and have the tenacity and the stick-to-itiveness and the patience <laughs> and mm-hmm. the discipline mm-hmm. to work with our babies. So, brothers and sisters, if you're listening out there, and I know you are, I'm looking at my screen, I see many of us on uh, if you want to support this sister, and I think we should, because we're going to be uh, throwing some support her way, let's support mm-hmm. uh, Ashe Academy and the summer camp and get uh, some of our children sponsored and help it grow. 
Uh, well, let me say, uh, yes, Brother uh, Abdul, yes, that ma'am. the summer camp is ending tomorrow. Okay. But, you know, we do still have our Saturday school uh-huh. each month. So we, we meet the last Saturday of each month from 10 to 2. And right. with all the, you know, if we have enough support, we would love to expand that, you know, to more than one Saturday a month. But, yes, you know, it, we, ha- we had to have the help <laughs> to do that. So. You know, uh, we 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 con- we'll, we will continue. This is our second year going strong uh, with the Saturday school, and we do have programs throughout the year. You know, we had the Kwanzaa program, we had the Black History Month program, and we have a special program and fundraisers throughout the year. So just you know, stay tuned and stay connected with us so that we can grow. All right, sister. Thank you so much you. for taking time out to be with us. We're about 12 minutes after the hour. Let's give our sister Krista Denise a round of applause for making us aware. Thank yes. you for the invitation. Oh, sister, thank you for being here. And please let my brother Patrick know. Um, I'll be hitting him up soon to get an update so he can come on and inform us sure. about what's going on and i'll definitely mm-hmm. be giving him a call and we got some good things up our sleeves here at the mississippi on the move podcast at this time anything you want to leave us with sister crystal before you go or are you even ready to go i don't want to limit you now <laughs> i just want to say you know we talk we say we we, we say at the academy we say the children are our future but we have to remember that they're that we're their present and yes. so we had to create help create that future that uh, our children need and deserve and our people need and deserve. Yeah. Yeah, praise is due to Allah, as we say, as Muslims Mm -hmm. and as you all say, peace and power. Sister Crystal, thank you once again, and God willing, we certainly will have you back on here sometime Mm -hmm. in the near future, but until then, may God's peace and blessings be with you and yours, all right? Thank you. Peace and blessings. All right. Thank you, sis. That was mm-hmm. our sister Krista Denise on the Mississippi. Mississippi on the Move. Yes, yes, that was our sister Krista Denise on the Mississippi on the Move podcast. We are about 14 minutes after the hour. We've got about 15 minutes left in tonight's broadcast. And to my listening audience, I want to send some shout outs. Thank you. All of you for tuning in. My sister is on. Sister Audrey is on, of course. Brother Marcus is on. Sister Tammy's on. Brother Najee, Sister Shahida, Brother Keith, and many others on. And my brother Kenneth, he's on mute for the rest of the program. Y'all be patient with us. Now, Brother Kenneth had a lot to do. He's aiding and assisting our brother W.J. Muhammad who is uh, preparing for a janazah. Uh, that's just the Arabic for funeral. Uh, of our dear sister who uh, returned to Allah recently, uh, Sister Edna Muhammad and Brother Kenneth, and as well as his wife, Sister Coretta, they are aiding and assisting, and others, uh, Sister Stephania and the believers in Memphis are working and helping to get our brother through this. So Brother Kenneth, he's multitasking, and uh, I certainly thank him and uh, those that are with him that are helping our brother get through Uh, this difficult time. We're going to take another quick break and we'll be right back after these commercial messages. Worldwide, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Download the Final Call radio app and take us everywhere. On your phone, on your computer, on your tablet, on Instagram. 
Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also log on to FinalCall.com and click the Listen Live button. Or FinalCallRadio.com. Final Call, Final Call Radio. The official voice of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. The Urban Indulgence Bath and Body Boutique. At Urban Indulgence, we pride ourselves on offering quality, effective skin care. Handcrafted with plant-based, skin-loving ingredients, our soaps and body butters will give you luxurious lather and ultimate moisture. Experience the Urban Indulgence at 3314 Poplar Avenue in Memphis, three blocks west of Poplar Plaza. Or shop with us online at theurbanindulgence.com. Theurbanindulgence.com. What's your source for truth and news reports? Justice! No peace! No justice! No peace! Where do you turn for non corporate driven news that's fair and balanced? Subscribe to the Final Call News, your number one free and independent news source that delivers hard-hitting national and international news coverage of today's political, economic, and social issues. To subscribe to local home delivery, call us at area code 662-252-8999. That's 662-252-8999. Visit our website at www.finalcall.com. And we're back with just a few minutes left in tonight's broadcast. Once again, I am your brother, Abdul Shaheed Muhammad, along with my brother, Brother Kenneth Muhammad, who is busy, right? He's on, y'all. He's got his ears to the podcast. And I thank uh, all of you for tuning in with us tonight. Got some updates and some new information we mentioned earlier. The Mississippi on the Move podcast is now available on Apple Podcast, you can get us on Spotify, and you can get us on iHeartRadio. So we're expanding and we're growing by the grace of Almighty God. And we got some good things as I shuffle through here, my paperwork, trying to get what I want to read to you all next. And we also uh, are working hard to increase the readership of the Final Call newspaper. Brothers and sisters, don't you know when you go to our study group web page, go to noihollysprings.org. That's noihollysprings.org. And when you go to the tab that says media, and at the bottom of that menu, you will see Final Call newspaper subscription. So what I'm saying to you is you can now go on our website locally. This is local now. If you live in Holly Springs, or Red Banks or Victoria, Mississippi, very close to us, you can log on to NOI Holly Springs, go to media, hit that tab and go down to Final Call newspaper subscription. And you can uh, subscribe to local delivery of the Final Call on the Holly Springs website right now. And we will deliver that paper to your door. We're working to get about 1,000 people. That's where we want to start, Holly Springs. We're right at 700 right now. In terms of distribution of our weekly uh, publication, the Final Call newspaper, but we want to get up to a thousand just to start, and then we're going to launch forward from there. So I'm calling on you, Holly Springs, if you're out there, and if you agree with what I'm saying, those that are tuned in, just type a one real quick, 
you want to get about 1,000 people to go to our website, log on, go to media, go to Final Call subscription, fill out the paperwork or fill out the fields and subscribe. And we will check back and you'll see what it costs. It's just $2 per issue. That's a measly $8 a month to subscribe to a newspaper. Now, why should I subscribe to the Final Call newspaper? Why should you? Well, we have to have our own mediums of information. And if you hadn't heard, I ran across an interesting article, Brother Kenneth, if you're still listening. I know you are because I see that you're there, but I know you're working, brother. Oh, oh, oh no, he's still, he's still on mute. Uh, but I ran across an interesting article, brothers and sisters, on uh, uh, the ink, as it's called. And the news story by an Anand, I can't pronounce this name. It's a very unusual, but it's Girindadas Ger- Ger- Hadas. I'm sorry, I'm tearing the name up. So it's just it's spelled G I R I D H A R A D A S. I can't pronounce that, and I'm not going to try again because I've already tore it up once. But at any rate, this is an interesting news story in that the title reads "Defund Fox News," and so that caught my eye. You know, you've been hearing defund. I'm like, defund Fox News? What are they talking about? And what they're saying, just uh, to highlight the fact that it is newspapers and publications and news sources like the Final Call newspaper that we must uh, probably take a closer look at. Because according to this little news story, uh, the January 6th committee hearings that's been going on that y'all may have been hearing about, uh, according to them, they said it was revealed by that committee that Fox host and analysts privately knew that Trump had lost the election. But in the weeks following the election, they continued to beam election fraud conspiracy theories over the airways to the tune of nearly 600 times. Like, okay, wow. And in, in light of that, they are calling for defunding of Fox News. So that's not uh, unusual. There's other news stories that I've read about how Fox News should not be taken seriously. A judge actually said that Fox News is classified, according to the judge, as entertainment and the people should not take it seriously. I was like, wow. And you don't hear about those kinds of news stories. But I only say that to say that if this is the kind of news story that you can find or that's being published uh, relative to the behavior of one of the major uh, news broadcast and information sources that people look to for information, then that makes the Final Call newspaper, particularly where Black people are concerned, a much more viable option if you want news that's truthful news, that's not corporate-driven, that's not beholden to any interest, uh, that are corporate or otherwise or political or otherwise. We are free to tell the truth and to report the truth as it happens and from our perspective. We have to have a truth from our perspective. So, hey, there you have it. That's what I wanted to mention to us concerning the final call. Make sure you take the opportunity to go to the new platforms that we are now available on, on Apple Podcasts, on um, iHeartRadio, as well as Spotify. We're going to pause so I can get some things together here.
the Jews, Jews don't, don't like, like Farrakhan, so they call me Hitler. Hitler. Well, well, that's, that's a, good a good name. Hitler, Hitler was a very, very great, great man. man. He won, he won great, great for me, me. As, as a black, black person, person, but he was a great, great German. German. And, and he rose Germany up, up from, from the ashes, ashes of her defeat, defeat by the uh, uh, United Force of, of all of Europe, Europe and America after, after the, the First, First World, World War. Now, I'm, I'm not proud of Hitler's evil against, against Jewish, Jewish people. But, but that's, that's a matter of record. record. He, he rose Germany up from, from nothing. nothing. Well, well, in a, in a sense, sense, you could, could say, say there's similarity in, in that we are rising our people, people up from, from nothing. nothing. But, but don't, don't compare, compare me with, with your, your wicked, wicked killers. killers. And the, and the Senate, Senate has, has said, said there is, is no room in this society for hate and no, no place, place for the haters. haters. We, we the, the victims, victims of America's, America's hatred and bigotry are now being charged with her crime. crime. What I represent is truth. And America is saying to Farrakhan what it is written that the Jews said to Jesus when they rejected him. And Jesus responded, you cannot understand my words because my words have no place in you. The Jews in that day wanted no truth to be told if it conflicted with their selfish desires. They did not care for the truth. They only wanted to hear that which made them comfortable in their web of lies and deceit. What crime have I committed? that warrants the censure and repudiation of the entire government, religious, and civic leadership. I don't smoke, I don't drink. I don't use drugs, I've never been arrested. I don't chase women, nor do I chase men. I have been a doer of good. I have been a doer of good among black people for three decades doing a duty of civilizing and reforming black people, a duty which America failed to do. For which of the good works that I do in the name of my father, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, do you stone or repudiate me? back I had to get some things together we are right about four minutes out from the end of tonight's program once again i'm your brother abdul shaheed muhammad and i see my brother kenneth looks like he's been unmuted brother kenneth you want to throw some pardon shots i see man are you available and maybe he's not maybe i just i'm just seeing things because I don't see it. I see his mic is open. But at any rate, I wanted to, I now have some accurate information thanks to my better half. She's always got my back, man. Thank you, Sister Shahida. She shot me the information that I should have had much earlier concerning the loss of our dear sister Edna Muhammad. Uh, her Janazah service will take place at Henderson Funeral Home 
That's at 2746 South Panola Street in Hernando, Mississippi from 11 a.m. or it begins at 11 a.m. on July the 23rd. That'll be this Saturday. So this Saturday at 11 a.m. in Hernando, Mississippi, it's going to be at 2746 South Panola Street in Hernando, Mississippi, and it's at the Henderson Funeral Home. So we want to go and uh, show our and pay our respects and express our condolences and be there for uh, our brother and his family as he uh, works through uh, this difficult time. We're right at the end of tonight's program. I want to make sure my brother Kenneth, uh, I see that he's there. Hold on. Maybe I should uh, hold on. Are you there, brother? Okay, I got everything turned up. Uh, and I see he's not on mute. Tonight was a special night. Uh, brother had to be remote. He told me and expressed to me he would rather have been here in the uh, studio, my little makeshift man cave here that I have situated to be the studio and launching pad for the Mississippi on the Move podcast. Once again, we want to uh, thank all of you who chose to tune in to be with us this evening. Once again, we want to thank Dr. Ivy Taylor of Rust College. Dr. Ivy Taylor was our guest and she shed some light on some things that's going on in Holly Springs on the campus of Rust College. And we also want to thank our sister, Crystal Denise, for taking time out to come and let us know what's going on at Ashe Academy with the summer camp. She said they have one more day. Tomorrow is the last day, but they still meet one Saturday a month. So those that are listening, and of course, the Holly Springs, Mississippi Study Group, Right there at 1655 North Memphis Street tomorrow night. We will be there at 7.30 p.m. for our self-improvement basis for community development study class. We are on study guide number 19. We've been reviewing it. So, brothers and sisters, avail yourself. We will have the Zoom up for those that simply can't be there. But if you can be there, we would love to see your face in the place, as they used to say back in the day. So take some time out to uh, put something to your mind that will certainly be transformative in its effect if we study it at depth. So that's going to do it. We are right at 830, and which is at the end of tonight's broadcast. And once again, we want to thank our guests for being with us and thank you for tuning in to the Mississippi on the Move uh, podcast. And as we always come before you, we leave you as we come before you with the greeting words of peace, and we say, Assalamu Alaikum. Mississippi on the moon. Let's go. Where the willows grow in the soil stained by the blood of my ancestors. Punch bold voices call out to my soul for justice. The wicked will reap what they've sown. Spirit of our seeds is back on the rise. Soldiers in the Delta kept it alive. Time to stand up, take our place in the sun. Understand the time and what must be done. Mississippi, Mississippi. 
Mississippi on the 